Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is life unto us, Lord. I pray right now that your words would come through my mouth and not my words, Lord, that what you want to get across to each and every person that listens to this sermon this morning, Lord, is what comes out of my mouth, Lord, that your name is glorified high above all else. Oh, thank you, Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, The podium's back a bit. There we go. Who remembers my very first sermon here at Celebration Life Church? It was on July 5th, 2015. No. Uh, Close. No, it wasn't. It was actually waiting for the Isaac. Oh, well done. It was waiting for the Isaac. Um, It was a sermon basically about waiting for God's promises and not settling for the Ishmael. So if you're wondering, uh, we're going to get into all of that and what that actually means. Or... It also means waiting for that, if you settle for that second best. Something just short of God's promise. Well, today, we're going to be talking about choosing the Isaac. We're going to be talking about choosing the Isaac in your life. Now, if you don't know me, I really enjoy vegetables. I really enjoy vegetables, all different types of vegetables, all different forms of vegetables. I really enjoy vegetables. We get this bag of mixed veggies from Costco, and it's got cauliflower and broccoli and two different types of carrots in it. And so you can take, I can take that mix of veggies and I can throw it in uh, a dish or a bowl or something like that and put a bit of water in it and heat it up in the microwave. And, um, and so it's warmed up and it's ready to eat and it's warm and it's soft now. We come from frozen and maybe put a bit of pepper and a bit of olive oil on it or something like that and maybe a bit of hot sauce. And I can eat it that way and it's simple, right? I haven't really put much into it. Maybe I'm in a rush in that day and I just need to get some food in me and, and so I, I just put, put it in the microwave and, and get the veggies that way. Or I can take some time with those vegetables. <laughs> I can take some time with those vegetables and, and instead of warming them up in the microwave, I put them in a fry pan. And I put a bit of water in them to begin with, and I just start to steam them in the fry pan, put a little pot, a a lid over them or something like that, and I steam them. 
and I let them steam for a while until they're, they're almost getting soft. And then I take, I take the lid off and I probe any water that's left. And then I, I drizzle some olive oil on them and I get some pepper and maybe some chili flakes and some um, garlic powder and or onion powder and a few other spices. And, and I just, I put those on there. I put it on medium heat and I let it just saute and just kind of simmer in that, all of those spices. I mix it around to make sure everything's got that, those spices all coated. I, I'm taking time, and, and um, then I'm like, okay, so I need a bit more than just the veggies, so I, maybe I have some pasta in the fridge, and I throw a bit of pasta on there and, and uh, some, cut up some sausages or something like that and throw that in there and put a bit more olive oil on. And are your, Is your mouth watering? <laughs> And you you take that time and you, you, you have it on medium heat. You don't want to rush it because you want all of those spices to, to integrate into every little aspect of that entire dish, all the pasta, all the pieces of meat, all the veggies. And you stir it around and you make sure everything's coated and you take your time with it. And then you get to enjoy this full, rich meal that has these veggies and this pasta and this meat in it, and it's very enjoyable. But you took time to do that. It takes time, it takes dedication, it takes thought to do that, right? If you also know me, you know that I really enjoy my salads. <laughs> More vegetables. Now, again, <laughs> you can have a bunch of lettuce that you throw in a bowl and put a bit of salad dressing on if you're, and you can just eat it and it's like, yeah, okay. Or you can have the full experience salad. <laughs> There's the full experience salad. <laughs> and again, you're taking time. You're taking time with that salad and you want all different aspects of a salad. So you want something that's chewy you want something that's crunchy. You want something that's maybe a bit spicy, a bit sweet. So uh, when I have that time to make a salad like that, I'll take, I'll take an avocado and I'll dice it up and I'll put it in there. And, and I'll put some cucumber in there. And then I'll take some uh, either like dried cranberries and put it in or, or some dates and chop up some dates and put those in there. And um, for a crunch, I'll put on like some pumpkin seeds or some sesame seeds on there. And, and then I'll put some hot peppers on there or some, some jalapeno peppers on there. And then I make my own salad dressing. And I've taken time with that salad to have a full experience. I've taken time. I've had more interaction with that. And I'm going to get a better experience from that salad. I'm going to get the full experience salad. Right? It took some dedication. It takes time. Right? Time takes dedication. To do that, you have to be focused, and you have to think about what you want to make sure that this is going to be a full experience salad. <laughs> Everybody with me? <laughs> For those of you who didn't hear, Pastor Jason said no. Everybody just went to go and make a salad or go eat salad. <laughs> what I want you to get, notice the difference between the microwave vegetables and those sautéed vegetables, between that bowl of lettuce with a bit of dressing on it and what I described as the full experience, salad. 
those, that full experience took time, took more interaction, it took dedication, and it took some focus. Everybody with me? That's what I want you to get out of that. Not that you're hungry or that you're really craving a salad for lunch now. <laughs> but you see the picture. You get the picture there. Okay, so we're in Genesis 15. And we're going to start in verse 1. As we go through Genesis, I want you to keep what we've just discussed in mind. Okay? So Genesis 15, verse 1. This is basically the story of Abram and God. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, no children is what that means. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. He's talking about Eliezer there in that last little bit. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but that shall come forth, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. So Abram's heir is going to come out of his own body, in plain language, English is what that means. Abram's heir is going to come out of his own body. Verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards the heavens and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. What that's saying there is that Abram's seed, his descendants, are going to be as numerous as the stars that you can count in the sky. Now, you think about back in his time, there weren't any lights, street lights. <laughs> there weren't any lights from buildings and things like that at night that, that uh, block our ability to see the stars. So back then, when it was dark out, it was dark out. And all you could see was all of this, the stars in the sky. And there was tons of them. And they could not, his descendants were going to be more numerous than those stars in the sky. Later on, we're not actually going to read it, but later on, he also, um, God also says to Abraham that your seed or your descendants are going to be more numerous than the grains of sand on all of the beaches of the world. If you can count those, you're going to be able to see how many your descendants are going to be, which, that's a lot. You can't count it. You, you literally can't count it. That's how many his descendants were going to be. This is God's promise to him. Okay. And he believed in the Lord. Abram believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And God counted it to him for righteousness. God saw it as being righteous, because Abram decided to believe in the Lord. Okay? Everybody with me here? Okay. Verse 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur 
of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer, which is a cow, of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all of these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Verse 12. And when the sun was gone down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. We're about to see the covenant, the first covenant between God and Abraham happen here. That's what we're seeing here. This is based in the Old Testament, the, what was called a cut covenant. Okay, let's jump down to 17. Verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt up unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is that first covenant. God walked in between those parts of the animal after they were sacrificed, and that was his action to show his part of the covenant, what he, he is um, dedicating his life, to, if you can call God having a life, a, it's kind of, he's omnipotent and doesn't have any beginning or any, any end. So it was him walking into that covenant with Abram. It was his action that he made to say, I am committing myself, I'm dedicating myself, I'm focusing myself on this covenant with you, Abram. I will not forget this covenant with you, Abram. Amen? One thing I want to point out here is that, if you notice, this is what we would call a unilateral covenant. It was only God that made the action of a covenant by walking through the, the lambs, or the, the heifer and the goat and the ram. Abram, actually at this point, had not done anything. He chose to try and believe God, but he actually never... Think about a construction contract. In a construction contract... There's two sides to the contract. One side, you're going to provide a service of some sort. I worked for Nova Drywall, and so in Nova Drywall, when we enter into a contract, we're going to provide steel stud framing to a building and drywalling, and sometimes a few other things as well. But that's the main focus of, of, our, of our business. And so when we enter into a contract, we're going to provide steel stud framing and drywalling. And then the, the company that we enter into that contract with is going to provide us money for doing what we've done. So there's two sides to that contract. 
and each is giving something into that contract. And each gets a benefit out of that contract. But you have to give something into the contract to get a benefit out of the contract. At this point, Abram hasn't given anything. He's kind of like the veggies in the microwave. Or just the lettuce thrown into the bowl with some salad dressing on it just to eat quickly. Okay? Everybody with me? Okay. Okay. Let's move to Genesis 16 now. Verse 1 we're going to start in. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she, was, she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into, unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of of Sarai. Let's stop there for a second. <laughs> now we've just gone through chapter 15 where God has promised Abram and created a covenant with him saying, I'm going to give you so many descendants that you are not going to, there's going to be no way that you could ever count them ever in your entire life, there's going to be so many of them. And at one point, it was counted to Abram as righteousness because he had faith that it was going to happen. Now, we're not exactly sure what happened, but between that moment and where we are here in verse 2, something happened. Something happened. Maybe Abram forgot about God talking to him. Now, I think about that for a moment, and I think, if God came down and actually talked to me, I would not forget that. <laughs> that would be something that would be imprinted on me forever. I think about the times where God has spoken to me, even, even within my spirit, and I've never heard an actual audible voice of God, but the times that God has spoken clearly to me through my spirit and yeah, I do not forget it. I have not forgotten a single one of those. But somehow, here, Abram has forgotten this. And instead, he has hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Now, I'm going to say something here. And I want you just to hear me through before anybody thinks or says anything, okay? In verse 2... Abram decided to listen or hearken to the voice of the world. It happened to be his wife. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that it is the wife that brings somebody into the world. This is just an example. It can be your boss. It can be your work. It can be a friend. It can be anybody. But if you decide to put their voice above the voice of God in your life, they become the voice of the world. Okay? 
And he hearkened unto the voice of Sarai, forgot everything that God has just said to him, and has decided to listen to the voice of the world at this point. Okay, let's keep going here. Verse 3, And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into, unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw, when, when Sarai saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So when Sarai saw that Hagar had conceived so easily, she started to despise Hagar. Sarai started to despise Hagar. That's key here. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, she was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as she pleaseth, as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. So when Sarai decided to be mean to Hagar, Hagar took off. I'm not going to take any of this. I don't want to be here. I'm taking off. Okay? Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a fountain of water in the wilderness from the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, Whence camest thou? Why, why have you come out here? And where are you going? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. So this is the same thing that Abram, that God said to Abram. So her seed, the seed that's in her, the child that is being birthed in her is going to have a multitude of seed or, or descendants in his life as well. And the angel of the Lord said, said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And, when he, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So, the voice of the world still produced something here. It still produces something. It produced a child who's going to be, when it's born, named Ishmael. And it's what was produced was kind of along the lines of what was needed in this situation. An heir in Abram's house that wasn't Eleazar, who actually isn't of his own flesh, isn't of his own DNA, isn't of Abram. Right? Because Abram is the father of Ishmael. Everybody with me here? Okay. So this is 
along the lines of what is needed. Notice in verse 3 and 4. Let's go back to verses 3 and 4 here just for a second. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Notice that that's the path of least resistance. It seemed like the easiest way to fix the problem. It seemed like the easiest way to fix the problem in that moment, listening to the voice of the world. Well, this will suffice. Seemed reasonable. Now let's look at 5, 6, and verse 12. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. So, verse 5, people are despised with other people. There isn't contentment here. Right? But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she, fell, she fled from her face. So there's two things that have gone on here. Abram's like, look, I did what you suggested. How come you're upset? What's the problem here? Right? He's like, oh, man, I don't want to deal with this. You go and deal with it how you want to deal with it, man. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I just did what you told me to do. And also notice that Sarai had anger in her towards Hagar. Okay, now jump down to verse 12. And this is the description of Ishmael. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Think about what I've just described here. It doesn't have the qualities or the character of God in it. Or resulting from it. Sarai despised Hagar. Hagar despised Sarai. Um, Abram doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He's like, man, I'm, my hands, I'm out of here. My hands are off of this. Sarai's experiencing anger and frustration. And then when we describe, when God describes what Ishmael's going to be like, he's going to be a wild man. He's going to be against every nation, and every nation is going to be against him. He's going to be, con basically what that means is he's going to be constantly at war for the rest of his life. And all of his generation after him is going to be at war for the rest of their lives. Does that sound like a character of God? That really has, it has nothing in the way of the character of God in it. Notice where we started. The voice of the world. That compromise. 
that second best, that almost there choice. The veggies in the microwave, the lettuce in the bowl. We were listening to uh, a guy who was preaching at EMIC just recently. And he said something that really spoke to me. He said, good enough is not an excuse for God's best. What was his name, Heather? Dennis Burke. He said, good enough is not a substitute for God's best. This, what I just described here, is that good enough. It's good enough for right now. But it's not God's best. Not even by a long shot. <laughs> when you read more about Ishmael and God speaking to Hagar and, uh, about, and actually Abram about Ishmael, he says he's going to bless him. <laughs> but then he describes this. <laughs> it doesn't really seem like a blessing to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's going to have a lot of descendants and everything. And I guess at that point in time, that was a really big thing. <laughs> that was really important that you're going to have lots of descendants. So I guess that's good. But really the rest of it, yeah, I could probably do without. <laughs> it seemed like the right thing to do at the moment. Instant gratification. It didn't have any longevity, though. If you, again, we go back to those verses, verses 5, 6, and 12. Everyone's satisfaction in the moment really fell apart quite quickly. <laughs> it fell apart quite quickly. It dissolved quite quickly. They thought, okay, yeah, this is a great idea. And then, so they went through with it, and then all of a sudden, they didn't really think it through, and then they see what is, like, they hear God about what he's saying about what's going to happen. And they're like, oh. And then they, they experience their heart in the matter, and they're like, they're dissatisfied. You see, things of the world will never fully satisfy you. It can never satisfy you. If it's... If it's from the world, it cannot fully satisfy you like God can satisfy you. And we're going to be, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Okay. Let's move over to, actually, have I finished reading this? No, I've only gotten up to verse 12, I think. Verse 13 says, And she called the name of the Lord that spake to her, Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Berlaheroi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old, that's 86 years old, when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So, 
Everything is now set in place for this one arm of Abram's life. All of that thing that doesn't have, have the character of God in it. It has now been set in motion and it can't really be stopped at this point. Okay, moving on to Genesis 17. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, so he's 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, just a little side note here, that word perfect means complete. It doesn't mean perfect in the way of the world, ironically. Our, the world's definition of perfect, that you are lacking absolutely nothing, you do everything completely right in every way, shape, or form. That's kind of the way that the world sees perfect. God doesn't see perfect that way. He sees it as complete. He makes us complete. He makes us complete. Verse 2. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. So he's reiterating the original covenant that we read in chapter 15. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant with, is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. So he's now adding to the covenant here. The original covenant from, verse, from chapter 15, he's now adding to it. Kings are going to come out of him. Nations are going to come out of him. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. This verse right here is talking about Jesus. Jesus is that final king that will sit on the throne forever to bring us that everlasting covenant that we now live in, in God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Notice that Abram now has a new identity. He now has a new identity. Abraham. And that simple change means that he's now the father of many nations. That's what his name means now. He is the father of many nations. But he has... It's key here. He has received a new identity at this exact moment in time. Verse 8 is where we're at. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. 
verse 10. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man-child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh is of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. And verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, remember, Abraham's got a new identity, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be, and I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So Abraham and Sarah have new identities in this updated covenant that God has brought to them. Notice also, in the first, remember in the first covenant in, in chapter 15, he actually hadn't put anything into the covenant at that point. But here, God's requiring him to do something, to put something in this covenant. Back in this day, the covenants were called cut covenants. They were blood covenants. And so there was um, basically a scar made, usually on the hand, that bled, and it left a scar in a reminder of the covenant or the contract, but it's much more than a contract. The covenant that the two families or two parties had, had, had come into. So in the case of what God wanted Ab- Abraham to do to himself and to all of his children and to all of his descendants, he wanted that cut covenant to happen. And so there was blood that was shed and a scar that remained to remind him of that covenant. So he, at this point, he's now put a foot in. He's now put a foot into this covenant. He's, he's now dedicated himself to this covenant because he had to give up something. Remember I was talking about a construction contract. One party has to bring the labor and the supplies, and the other party brings the money to pay for the labor and supplies. Abram has now brought something into this covenant. He, Our list at the beginning, remember he's spent time, he's got more interaction, he's dedicated now, he's focused, because he's brought something into this covenant now. And God has given him a new identity. And Sarai, a new identity. Her name's now Sarah. She is now the mother of many nations. This is a picture of what God did for us through Jesus. 
he brought that covenant. Now, in the Old Testament covenant, there was one, re- not every single person in the cut covenant um, before this moment here got the cut. There was a representative from each family, because it was usually families coming together in a covenant. There was a representative from each ca- uh, family that would come and get the cut in their hand and have the scar in their hand. But if you were part of that family, you had the benefits of that covenant, even though you did not have the scar in your hand. Okay? Everybody with me? Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Jesus was the one who did the cut covenant with God for us. His blood was shed on the cross. He spent that time, was dedicated and focused on the task that God had put on his heart to do, and he went to the cross for us, and he paid for that covenant. He brought in everything that was needed for us to enter into that covenant. Key here is that we only have to say yes to become part of the family to get the benefits of the covenant. We have to say yes. Amen. So the question is, what can we bring to the covenant that's already been paid for? What we have our yes to say that we agree and we allow Jesus Christ onto the inside of our heart that he is our Lord and our Savior and we, we confess that with our mouth and believe it in our heart that he was ro- raised from the dead. That makes you a born-again Christian. That brings you into the family. So what else do we bring? When we say that yes, we bring our humility. I've talked a lot about this, and, and I'm referring to a scripture in 1 Peter uh, um, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Is that it? Yep, First uh, Peter chapter 5, verses 6, or uh, uh, 5 and 6, or as one often there. And seven. Five says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that, ye, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So that's talking about humility. But really at the base of that humility is a trust. So we can bring our trust in God to him. Right? We have a choice. In every situation of our life, in every circumstance of our life, in every um, opportunity that our life brings, we have a choice to take the voice of the world or to hear the voice of God. And choose to humble ourselves and trust him. It's a simple choice. Mm. Hallelujah. Okay.
Let's go back to Genesis now. We're going to be in Genesis 21. There we go. Genesis 21, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 7. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken unto him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, and God, as God had commanded him. Remember, that was the new covenant that Abraham and God had, where he got his new identity. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who... Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah shall, should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Abraham got a new identity, just like we get a new identity in Christ. And we, he decided not to listen to the corruption of the world or the voice of the world that brings something that kind of looks like God but doesn't have the character of God. Looks like what God wanted but didn't quite have the character of what God wanted. Amen? But this has the character of God in it. You think about what the promise is that kings are going to come out of his descendants. We think of, right off the top of our head, King David and then Jesus. Those two kings, especially Jesus, he was the king of all kings who will sit on the throne forever. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus brought peace to the world as opposed to anger and frustration and uh, constantly being at war with other nations. Amen? This contains God's character. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. It's rubber meets the road time now. Everybody turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is just before Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at verses 22 to 24. So when you become born again, Jesus, your spirit man, comes alive. Jesus enters it and it comes alive. And the very first thing that happens is these things, what we're about to read, are placed on the inside of you. Okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are, are Christ's have crucified the flesh, the world, with the affections and with with its affections and its lusts. Sounds kind of similar to what we were talking about, the difference between Ishmael and Isaac. Amen. So you can have all of these fruit of the spirit in the world. They they do exist. I've actually uh, met people, very nice people, not born-again Christians, who show love and joy and peace, and they're long-suffering, and they're gentle to people. They have goodness in them. They have faith in something. Um, they have, they're meek, and they're self-controlled. I, I'm thinking of one person uh, that I met uh, a a general manager at a job a number of years ago. Oh, wow, like almost 10 years ago now. <laughs> and he was a great man. Wasn't born again, but he exemplified these. But the reality is, is that it was still the voice of the world that was propelling those. So there was a corruption in them. It was very, very subtle but there was still a corruption in, in the base, the base of, of those, all of these attributes that he showed. They didn't have the character of God in them. He had chosen to hearken unto the voice of the world or the flesh or the devil. Those are the kind of the three things that, that can be. You think of love coming from this world. It seems like it's really nice, but if you spend time with that person who's trying to show you love and they're not a born-again Christian, that love really has a selfish motive behind it. it it's tainted. I think of even Christians, if they don't quite understand this, can walk. I used to walk this way. I used to show love to get love. I used to um, take the time to figure out what would be the nicest thing to do to Heather so I could get a nice compliment. Or we could spend more time together or whatever it may be. And I thought I was doing the right thing. I was trying to be a good born-again Christian, but I didn't have a concept of what I've just been talking about today. And so there was even a selfish motive in me to, because I didn't have the concept of God's love, the totality and, and the pureness of God's love. And it's even more with someone who doesn't have God. It, it literally is seated in selfishness. All of these really are. Joy. You're, being joy, you're bringing joy or happiness to, to a situation um, because... You don't have to deal with somebody or something that you know that, that person wants to talk to you about or something like that. And so you bring the you come in bouncing around and, and all full of joy just to divert something. 
that you don't want to deal with. I've talked about it a lot. Jesus specifically says in the Gospels, my peace I give to you, not as this world gives, I give you my peace. And if you think about, you know, one of those the toys, it's like the paddle, and it's got the rubber ball on the elastic band on it, right? And, and what's that? Paddle ball? Okay, it's called a paddle ball. And so, and the idea is that you're hitting the ball so it goes back and forth and back and forth and bounces off of the paddle, right? Back and forth, and it, it's kind of fun. But if you can do it, because it, it's kind of hard to keep it going, right? But that's the world's peace. That's the world's peace. It's there when it's convenient for somebody who's living in the world to bring peace to a situation, but as soon as it's not convenient to them, it's brought back. And it leaves the situation. But we have a new identity that's based in Jesus Christ. We have a new identity, just like Abram and Sarai got a new identity. And notice it was a whole lot easier for them to follow the covenant once they got that new identity. He had, he had put something into that covenant. Now for us, it's very simple. What we, Jesus paid, he did the hard part for our covenant that we have. We get to say yes. We get to say yes to all of those situations. And when we say yes, we get to, out of that yes, we spend time with God. Out of that yes, we have more interaction with God. Out of that yes, we have more dedication to God. It's simple. And it doesn't take hours upon hours. I used to think, oh, I need, I need to spend more time with God. I, just, I, I need to spend more time with God. I, just, I don't know how I'm going to fit it into my day. And, and I, I just, I really don't know. I had it in my mind that I had to, if I'm going to spend time with God, I have to sit down and clear everything off and spend an hour with him every time that I do it. And, and it, it's, um, I, nothing can interrupt me and, and all this kind of stuff. But that's not what God wants. He wants every minute of your day, regardless of where you are. You know, me spending time with God at work may look different than me spending time with God here at church or me spending time with God at home, but he still wants me to spend time with him. And to focus my life on him. Because he wants to be part of every aspect of my life. Think about the difference between Ishmael and Isaac. The description of Ishmael was total, was complete, was all-encompassing. There wasn't a little part that was going to be nice in his life. It said he is going to be in war for the, and him and his generation, generations after him are going to be at war for the rest of their lives. Constant battle. Never changing. 
we have the opportunity to spend time with God in every aspect of our life, for him to permeate every aspect of our life. We spend that time, we say yes, and we spend that time with him. Because he gives us ideas at work. He gives us ideas at home. He gives us ideas here at church. He gives us ideas in our everyday life, whatever we're doing, because he wants to be part of every aspect of that life. Amen. In my own life, I learned that the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit lives on the inside of me. The fullness of, the, the, the fullness of God's love is on the inside of me. The fullness of his joy is on the inside of me. The fullness of his peace is on the inside of me. And I got, I got a concept. Lord downloaded something into me that all I need to do for that to be present in my life in its purity is to choose to say yes to it, to yield to it in a situation. Yield to it and allow it to come up and out of me because that's the only reason that it's in there. It's not in there to be stuffed down and to stay inside of there. He's put these things in here for them to come out, to touch other people, to touch, to touch your own emotions and, and, and touch your own life, but mainly to touch other people to, so that other people can experience God through you through the love that he's placed on the inside of you, the peace and the joy that he's placed on the inside of you. Well, if you've been listening to me for a while, I've been very vocal about the fact that um, I'm working, I'm allowing God, I'm submitting to God, I'm humbling myself before God (laughs) that I can get my eating under control so that my weight doesn't go like this. And I've been praying and just trusting God that he has that solution for me that is going to do a work in my life. And so I've been working at self-control. Yeah. <laughs> Notice the little, that little, 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 tiny, tiny word at the beginning of that sentence. It's only one letter long, yet it has such great implications. I. I was trying I was trying to bring self-control to my life. You see, it was bizarre. I was driving down the road one day, and I just had this, like, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke to me, and he basically said, in a nice way, "Um, Neil, you realize that the same way that that love, joy, and peace is on the inside of you, and you just have to yield to it for it to come out, self-control's in there too. Same way. <laughs> you just you just have to yield yield to it and allow it to work in you. But you see, when you allow that, when I was trying to bring that self-control, there wasn't that purity of God to it. There wasn't that purity. It was under my own power and my own ability which I can tell you firsthand is highly lacking compared to God's ability and God's power in my life. So when I get this revelation that it's the exact same fruit of the Spirit and it includes this self-control, or in the King James it's called temperance, 
I just, I just yield to it. When I'm having, it's mainly on the way home from work. I'm like, oh, fries would be really nice right now. Or a bag of chips would be really nice right now. <laughs> Something along those lines. Though I really enjoy fries and chips. I, I, I do. I do. I just give that to the Lord <laughs> myself. But I'm experiencing that. I'm like, yeah, those would be great right now. And then I'm like, he gave me this revelation. I said, no, Lord, you know what? I just yield to your self-control in my life. And literally, the craving goes. It dissipates. It leaves. It goes. Now, if I was trying to bring that self-control, it would be like, oh, I can do it. I know I can do it. I kind of like the train that's getting over the hill. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I know you can. I know you can. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Get past Wendy's. Get past Wendy's. Get past Wendy's. (laughs) Exactly. Do not turn. Do not turn. I can do it. I can do it. (laughs) But I made that choice for the Isaac as opposed to allowing that character of the Ishmael to rise up in me. I yield to what God has already placed on the inside of me. And his ability for that to work inside of me and bring me victorious in the situation is far greater than anything I'll be able to conjure up. far greater than anything I'll be able to conjure up. Bethany and Shalene. Back in the Old Covenant, in the old, what we call the Old Testament, when we were reading about Abraham, it was complicated to follow God. You know, you saw what all of a sudden God says you have to circumcise everybody in your family. Now, remember, that was everybody that was his blood in his family and everybody that he had bought, so all of his servants. And if you, a part that I didn't read back then, back there in between verses 17 and 21, is Abraham had to go to war. And it said that he got 300 there's around 300 of his servants that were trained in war to go out and battle and get Lot back, his, his, his nephew. So you think about that. Abraham, Abraham had to enter into this covenant. God told him you have to circumcise everybody in your household. Well, we know at least there was 300 that he had to do. He had to go and do. It was complicated. But in the new covenant... It's not complicated. It's a simple yes. And you see, out of a simple yes of walking in that humility, trusting Him, you start to automatically want to spend time with Him. You, you want more interaction with Him. You decide... It's easier to dedicate because it's just a simple yes. You decide that you're going to humble yourself and trust him. And you spend more time focused on him. And it's like this perpetual wheel. 
or like the snowball rolling down a hill. It starts out small, but it starts to gather. Gather snow as it's rolling down the hill and it gets bigger and bigger. And it just, it doesn't stop. And it gets bigger and bigger. As you yield yourself to God and what he's placed on the inside of you, as you, you choose to stop those things that don't have the character of God. You choose to stop trying to manipulate what you know what God wants in your life and you choose to trust and take that step back in humility and say, you know what, Lord, I just trust you. I don't know how this is going to work, but I know it's going to work. Just like what I did with my eating. I didn't know how it was going to work because I couldn't see a solution in my own eyes. But I just kept coming back to the Lord because I knew he is the solution. He may not have a plan. He may not have shown me a plan at that moment. But he was the solution for me, and I knew that. And so I spent that time with him. I kept coming back to him. I kept spending that time, more interaction with him. I kept saying yes to him. I kept submitting to him. And he revealed himself to me. He revealed his will to me. He revealed his love for me by showing me that I've already put self-control inside of you. The fullness, complete, pure self-control that I have that I can give to you, that I have given to you. You just have to yield to it. Oh, hallelujah. Now at this point, there may be some people watching this that don't know Jesus, don't have a relationship with him, and kind of feel like the Ishmael, that things are at war constantly in their life, that there's no peace, Peace comes and it goes. Joy comes and goes. There's no real true love in their life. Everybody's looking for something. You can have a better way. It takes a yes. It takes uh, humility, a choice to trust God. But it is so much better than walking a life in this world that has at its core a corruption to it in every aspect of it. But you can take a step out of that and you can step into a purity of a relationship with Jesus. You know, a lot of people tell me and question me that I'm always happy or I'm always joyful and nothing seems to get to me when I'm at work or in other situations. I can tell you it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ inside of me and what he's done. That fruit of that spirit that I read in Galatians 5 here. Doing a work on the inside of me. And me learning and growing in him. Constantly saying yes. Just choosing to say yes to him. It's a simple choosing to say yes to him. For those of you that want that, that want to take that step out of that Ishmael and you want to choose the Isaac, our Isaac, Jesus Christ, why don't we take a moment right now and pray? I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you can give your life to Christ. This, is, this isn't a 
fly-by-night decision. It's a serious decision. It's a serious decision that you want to make. That you see that you're in constant war, but you want a peace that will never leave you. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as this world gives, I give you my peace. That's a peace that will never leave you. It'll never go away from you. God is love. And if you give your life to him, you can experience a love that has no items attached to it. A purity of love that will just envelop you. But you need to give up your life in this world. That, and you need to make that choice right now. So if you decided you want to make that choice, you want to take that step into this new covenant that Jesus bought for us and we just have to say yes, we can become part of that family that I was talking about earlier, that you get the benefits of that covenant. You may not have the scar because somebody else took the scar for you, but you can have those benefits. You just have to say yes. Let's pray. Okay, so repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I see how it has been filled with war and anger and discontent. And I don't want that anymore. I want you. I want your peace. And I give my life to you, Lord. I believe, Lord, that you are Lord of my life. And that you raised from the dead to give me that life. I confess my sins and I ask your forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord, that I have a fullness of life now. A life that is not corrupt, but that it is pure in you. Oh, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've just prayed that prayer and you want some help or you want somebody to talk to, you can call us. You can call us at the church. Go to our website, celebrationlife.ca, and you can find the church's uh, phone number on there. And you can phone at any time of the day because outside of our office hours, our phone is forwarded to what we call our emergency phone. So somebody will be able to pick up and talk with you, and pray with you, and, and share in the joy that you've just experienced giving your life to Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.